Hi, you're listening to Let's Nurture, the podcast. My name's Liam, and today we're going to be talking about Windows 11, software as a service, and what exactly an operating system actually is. Let's start there. We'll discuss the role of an operating system in a computer. I think it will help us contextualize a lot of the follow-up subjects. In one sense, you probably have some answer to this question already, right? You have a Windows computer or an Apple computer. But this doesn't actually help us to understand what the operating system does. Right, why does a computer need Windows? Can I have a computer without an operating system? The extended metaphor I'd like to work under for this is one of a corporation. Bear with me for a minute, and I'll walk you through it. So, you have your actual physical computer. This includes things like a CPU, a motherboard, RAM, all the components that go together to make a physical thing you identify as a computer. Let's think of those as resources instead of as parts. You have the ability to hold on to so much information to use for later in RAM or random access memory. You have the ability to perform however many calculations with your processor in an amount of time. These are all resources provided by hardware that the system can, conceivably, use to accomplish tasks. So let's think of those resources like machines in our factory. Let's say we're in the business of sprockets. You can run the sprocket machine to make a sprocket of a given size. It needs materials and power and a driver. Great. So the computer itself is like the factory floor and the workers who operate the machines. Who tells the workers what sprockets to make? Who tells the computer that it should start up an application? Well, the user does. And the user in our factory is the CEO. They wander around, rarely actually interacting with the factory itself, right? When a CEO wants more sprockets made, they don't actually go and allocate sheet metal on the factory floor and then put it into the machine themselves. They give high-level instructions like, make me 10,000 small sprockets, or, in a computer, launch Minesweeper. The CEO doesn't want to have to sit down and actually dictate to each worker. Okay, set aside these three sheets of tin and this machine for this amount of time, and please set up a notice in the break room so that someone doesn't grab some of the tin you're using for their project. No, no, no. The CEO wants to say, I want 10,000 sprockets, and leave those details to someone else. Middle management, if you will. Well, that's exactly the role of the operating system. It acts as an intermediary between the user and the hardware. It distributes and allocates the resources as is appropriate to meet the needs of the user. The alternative would be for the user to interact directly with the hardware itself, which, if we're going to be honest, is pretty opaque. When you try to, for example, launch Minesweeper, the operating system takes over. It identifies and then allocates the resources it will need. It makes sure it keeps track of which resources are being used so that the potentially dozens of applications running at a time 
can all share the limited space that the machine has without breaking each other. There's one other element here, the graphical user interface, or GUI. This is the stuff that you actually see on the screen while you're using the computer. The windows, the mouse you move around, the buttons that you click on, none of it is actually necessary to the operation of the machine. That's right, you can absolutely run Windows without Windows. It's all there to help make the machine more user-friendly. And it works in our metaphor... Think of this as being like the sample order forms that the CEO fills out for the manager to take and go do things with. The forms aren't the factory. They're an easier way for the user to interact with it. In fact, many operating systems, Linux, for example turn off the GUI completely. So that's what an operating system is. And to be clear, there are a lot of options you can go and try out. There's Windows, there's Mac OS, Linux, they all serve the fundamental purpose. But remember, an operating system is just a piece of software that handles and coordinates all the other software that you might be running on the physical machine. This is where we get into software as a service. Software, by the way, is anything that isn't hardware. So the instructions, applications, and data that your computer uses to run are all software. A video game or web browser is software. A motherboard is hardware. This one's easy to remember, by the way. Hardware is hard. You could throw it at someone. It's probably hardware if you could throw it at someone. Also, don't throw electronics at people. They're difficult to replace. So software as a service is what Microsoft wanted to do with Windows 10. In fact, back when it launched, Windows 10 was announced as the last edition of Windows that would ever be released. The idea was that they would release constant updates to add new features or patch security holes. Patching security holes, of course, being a perpetual task. And that would be it. Ultimately, the hope appeared to be to migrate from Windows being something you buy and own, like a bike, to something you rent a monthly subscription to, like Netflix. This is actually something they had some success with on the Office side. Office 365 is software as a service, unlike the old editions where you would buy a copy of Office and then continue to use it until you decided you wanted to buy a new copy. You would pay a smaller monthly fee to have free access to the programs on your computer. The trade-off here is, of course, that you don't need to buy a new expensive copy of Office in three years to get the new features. You always have the most up-to-date version of the software. In general, people have a pretty negative reaction to this. But I think that's often unjustified. And from the point of view of the business, it can be a fantastic revenue source. After all, now having 10 million computers using your software means something. You're going to get access to significant, predictable cash flow. It also means, from a consumer perspective, that there's an additional incentive to make sure that you stay satisfied with the product. After all, a user leaving to use a competitor suddenly means an immediate change in the books. I think the bulk of the negative perception here comes from the ideas of property that people come into these transactions with. When you own a computer that runs on, for example, Windows, you feel as if the entire package is and should be yours to do with what you want. After all, 
You paid for it, and you shouldn't be forced to suddenly incur an additional cost just to keep using something you already own and didn't plan on paying. For the average computer user, Microsoft erasing Windows from your machine would basically render it useless. Now, I think it's unlikely that such a thing would happen, even if operating systems as a paid service become the norm. In fact, there's one other piece of the operating system puzzle that we can talk about, and that would give particularly worried customers a backdoor. Linux. Now, I admit it has a bad rap, but Linux, or as the inevitable raft of emails were insist, GNU Linux, don't listen to them, they're being unhelpful, is a free alternative to Windows and Mac OS. It has come a long way from the days when you needed to have a master's degree in technomancy to operate. For most day-to-day tasks, like browsing the web, Linux can look and feel pretty much like any other computer, and often do it faster, especially on older machines. Perhaps we'll do another episode, just focusing on Linux and the various distributions. I mentioned it here mostly to note that even if the worst comes to pass, you will still have alternatives, and you will still own the hardware. So Windows 11, let's talk about it for a minute. What do we know? Well, it's releasing near the end of 2021, which is the year this episode is being released, if you can believe it. There's a part of me convinced it's still 2020. It'll start rolling out as an upgrade to existing Windows 10 users in 2022. Frankly, there's a very real sense in which Windows 11, despite the hype, is just a particularly large upgrade to the extant Windows 10, as opposed to a wholly new operating system, like the switch from, say, Windows 8 to 10 was back in the day. You can actually download an advanced release and give it a try yourself right now. Though, if you're the type of listener who didn't know that already, perhaps you aren't the type who should be playing around with new operating system installs. On a computer that's important, that is. I remain an advocate for keeping old computers around to try such silliness on, in an environment where it won't matter if you break something. The particularly adventurous may even consider trying it out on a virtual machine. Another topic for another episode. One of the coolest new features, once you get past the redesigned visuals, includes the addition of Android apps to the Windows experience, something that was previously possible by using a Samsung phone and their built-in integrations, but was certainly much more difficult than looking over the App Store for the thing you wanted. I, for one, am interested to see where this ends up going, and hope you continue to listen in. Until next time, remember to pay attention when you see a way to make something better. I've been Liam, and you've been listening to Let's Nurture, the podcast.